Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Podcast. I'm Bobby Tishy, along with Cole Fisher and a new guest. I'd like to introduce Nick Burgraff, who runs the Lev Minnesota office out of Minneapolis. Nick, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Like uh, Bobby had mentioned here, I run the Minnesota office. Currently, that's just me. So it's a rather large office with uh, very few members in it. But we do have our own Slack channel. I was just going to say, Nick also runs the Minnesota <laughs> Slack channel. Uh, and you'll more so see it um, incessantly written with comments, asking people to quiet their dogs down. Uh, who, who took the string cheese out of the fridge? It's quite or leave the door open. <laughs> yeah, all sorts of uh, office updates that you would imagine go into there. It's uh, more of a self-entertainment mechanism. I've been working with Lev for about four years, but working for Lev for just under a year. I come from uh, actually a client of Lev's, um, a division of NBC, and I was doing a number of different tasks. I was a campaign manager of that division, uh, but it really entailed just across the board business intelligence, analytics, um, B2C and B2B deployment. So I've been through a couple of marketing cloud implementations, a Pardot implementation, um, migrations from Marketo. Gosh, there's been- Pronto. MailChimp. Yeah. MailChimp was one of them. Constant Contact. Constant Contact was not. um, But yeah, there's just across the board, there's just been a bunch of different, I really refreshed our entire tech stack with the uh, onboarding of more Salesforce products. So we were always a, a core partner. Um, since the company began back in like, you know, 2008, and then just continued to invest in our Salesforce relationship. Great. Well, most importantly, Nick owns a dog, and that dog's name is Lou, which just happens to be the name of my oldest dog. And it's important to call out here that Cole does not own a dog, um, and he's a heartless human being. So hopefully... If this I podcast think, becomes successful I, enough, Cole can afford to splurge on a dog. <laughs> I think it's a matter of time until um, your Lou becomes my Lou because uh, pretty sure he likes me better than you. And he conveniently fits into my duffel bag. That's a common theme in my life. Most people like you more than they like me. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> and speaking of our uh, just incredible growth on the Love podcast, we are up to six reviews. So I'd like to personally thank uh, my wife, Joni, um, as well as my mother-in-law, Doris, who uh, both, uh, I don't know if they listened, but they did review. And so 
if you're out there, you want to throw us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also contact us at in the clouds at levdigital.com. We have not gotten an email yet. So we would love to hear from you about whatever kind of a topic or deep dive you'd like for us to take. And you know, today I, we're going to focus on a couple. Oh, go ahead. I said I did actually get a, uh, an email um, asking if we wanted to monetize our podcast. <laughs> uh, that was hey, a big... that's a great segue yeah. into, uh, into one of our sponsors. Yeah. As you can tell by the silence, we don't have any sponsors. But maybe, maybe soon. If we get that seventh review, I feel like we'll be on our way. <laughs> so uh, on today's podcast, we're going to focus on a couple of things. Um, it's been a few months back, but wanted to do, there were kind of two main takeaways that we had from Connection, Salesforce's uh, conference in Chicago, kind of a mini dream force is a good way to think about it that focuses on marketing, commerce, and service. And then we wanted to talk through some of the recent releases um, that Marketing Cloud's had. So April, June, and August. And then we'll finish up with uh, just a, some quick thoughts on Tableau and that the recent acquisition of Salesforce and then um, completely unrelated as well. So kind of leading off with connections, I thought, Cole, you really had the market corner and your takeaways from connections. So I'd love to hear your input on what you thought was really impactful and what you really liked about connections. You know, my very first step into connections, um, the, the immediate thing I noticed was padded flooring. It was amazing. Um, I, I knew that like every year I'm going to be on my feet for like nine hours at a time. And I, I, I don't eat breakfast before him because I'm like, oh, they always have food there. I'll grab something. Then I never actually get to grab it. So I, I kind of like stand on my feet all day, don't eat. I just blab or, or, or you know, chat and listen and nonstop. And at the end of the day, your feet are just pounded. Um, and so I thought I'd be cheating this year. I got these like gel insole inserts. I was like, oh, I'm thinking way ahead. I got there and it was like just a trampoline floor. It was amazing. Um, uh, <laughs> that was like the, the very first thing when we talked about our takeaways from connections. I'm like, did you, did you feel flooring? That was amazing. <laughs> well, like, I mean, in, in, as many of you know, who go to conferences or trade shows or anything like that, the, the floor is almost always just concrete. It's not even carpeted. And if it is carpeted, it's just, you know, a thin layer of it. And so you've got to have some really comfortable shoes. But like when, like when Cole says it's like a trampoline, that's exactly, that's exactly what I thought of was like as a kid, you know, you step out onto the trampoline um, but it was even nicer than that. It was like, it was a padded trampoline. It was like, it went up a little bit. Like it felt very bouncy. It was really like as small of a, of a notice it was at first. It was really nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. The very first step I took in there, that, that's what I noticed. And I almost wanted to frolic and make, you know, pretend snow angels or something out of it. Felt amazing. And I built like a golf <laughs> too. I had knee problems and, you know, lower back and stuff like that. I, standing nine hours on concrete, something's going to happen. I do have we to didn't let Nick go to Connections this year, so yeah. that's why he doesn't have any take on this. <laughs> well, I, I opted out because of my experience there in 2018 was a concrete full floor. And uh, I imagine that I wasn't the only one that filled out, you know, the how was Connections form at the end of it saying, Hey, we need some trampoline floors. <laughs> <laughs> well, we owe you a big kudos, Nick. That was a great idea of yours. <laughs> no kidding. I'll take credit for that. 
<laughs> the other the other thing that really kind of came out of connections and was a big announcement on the Salesforce front was their CDP solution slash customer 360. So what they're kind of affectionately calling customer 360. And it was the announcement of the beta program, which is slated to launch later this year. And we had an opportunity to talk with some of the folks from product at Marketing Cloud as well. And it's not super clear kind of how, how this will work quite yet across the different platforms and features and things like that. But um, it'll be really interesting to see how it takes shape over the next few months. Uh, we have a couple of customers that um, have applied to be part of the beta program. So a lot more to come there from Salesforce. And as we learn more, we'll certainly share it. But a lot about, you know, having a single view of the customer, no matter where they are, unknown, known, kind of all those different elements that we think of across, you know, what, what we think of as DMP and Interaction Studio and email and all those different other channels. Yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, right now we're, we're in discussion with a number of customers about uh, potentially being a part of that beta um, and, and really kind of leveraging this CDP concept and this sort of we've talked about for a while now um, within the Salesforce ecosystem, like the 360 degree view of a customer. This is the actual productized uh, CDP backed uh, version of that that they're beta testing and it's that's going to be pretty exciting and so we've got a couple of customers that right now that are um, looking to get in on kind of the ground floor of that beta and it'll be interesting to see how it goes as they go through it some hopefully some of our customers will get selected for it we'll share how how that process is going and keep you guys updated and posted on what we hear from the product team as well We've got another meeting at the end of August with them. And then uh, Dreamforce is coming up pretty soon too. I think it's in November again this year. And so I'm sure we'll learn more um, as Dreamforce approaches as well. I think that's right around the time that the beta is slated to start. That beta program is slated to start. So more to come there. Speaking of kind of releases and announcements and that sort of thing, we wanted to shift gears to the most recent releases on, this, on the Salesforce Marketing Cloud front. And there's been three, three releases over the last five months or so, the April, June, and August release highlights. And for those of you who don't know, you can always go to the help docs on Salesforce and review the release notes. They're there in detail. And quite a few of them are also, uh, also have a video supporting them, kind of the main highlights of each release as well. So if you check out the Salesforce Marketing Club YouTube channel, you can see a, a one to two minute video of each of the features that they've added or that they're highlighting um, as part of that too. But I know that Cole, you were pretty excited about some of the Einstein elements um, that have come out, especially knowing that, you know, Einstein was announced, I think a couple of years ago on the Salesforce front and it's kind of neat to see them start to embed it and innovate off of it on the marketing club front. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, you know, one of the things that when I was at Salesforce, um, in terms of like marketing and strategy consulting, uh, something that we did a lot was really heavy data science an analysis on like sender frequency and syntax optimization and things like that. And what we're seeing is like a lot of the uh, Einstein updates and engagement frequency and like, you know, splits and things like that, that we're starting to see productized in Journey Builder. 
uh, is, are, are actually things that, that are not, not only A, extremely important uh, and beneficial for marketers, but B, uh, were, were really heavy lifts to do manually beforehand. So for instance, with uh, engagement frequency, you know, every marketer is trying to think about, um, you know, are they oversending? Are they driving people away and, and uh, headed towards attrition? Or are they undersending and leaving um, opportunity on the table, sales, engagement, et cetera? Uh, and so engagement frequency is, is uh, a way for us, productized in Journey Builder, to be able to address this concern in finding the best email frequency range to, to kind of meet our objectives. So it's, it's pretty exciting to see that and not have to have that manually, um, you know, addressed anymore. Cause that was a heavy, heavy lift. And I think that the other um, element to that too, I mentioned it a little bit earlier is just seeing the innovation start to happen on the Einstein front and being able to incorporate these different elements within journeys or, um, ad audiences or different things there. So to your point, there's a lot of use cases, not just on the email front. How do we utilize it to, to retarget and also acquire folks too? Um, speaking of kind of the ad studio front, um, so uh, Google Advanced Match is now available. So very similar to like lookalike audiences in Facebook. So we're able to select certain uh, elements that match based on the data you have to the data that Google has. Um, so that's not available within Ad Studio, which I know a lot of people were pining for who utilize Ad Studio heavily. And there's also uh, on the Datarama front. So this is um, these are all part of the April release, by the way, that we're focusing on now. Um, so back about four months or so ago. But uh, the Datarama connector for marketing called email, which was pretty quick, um, considering that the, you know, the acquisition of Datarama happened late last year. Um, they were pretty quick to turn around that marketing cloud uh, email integration into Datarama. And our team has, I know, has implemented it at least a handful of times already, um, our Datarama team. And so they've had a lot of success with it. And it's pretty slick to see some of the dashboards and things you can build out. On the um, mobile integration side, um, one cool thing is now in the past, you've been able to build email content and messages directly within Journey Builder. Um, you can actually now build out those mobile messages within Journey Builder and also Content Builder. So previously, you'd have to go to Mobile Connect or Mobile Push to build your push or SMS specific messages. So you can do all that within Journey Builder and within Content Builder now. So nice little ease of use functionality that they included there as well. And then uh, just one other element that is, I would say, low-hanging fruit. Um, previously, whenever you created a data extension in Marketing Cloud, you had to set the data retention policy at the time that you created it. Um, otherwise, the only way you could update it would be through the API. Um, and so now you're able to do that after the fact. So let's say you, know, you create a, a data extension to hold data or hold an audience and you want to have data retention on it, but you forgot to include it at the beginning within the UI, you can now go back and update that after the fact. Um, so that way you can have data retention on those going forward. So uh, the next uh, portion is all around the release highlights for June, um, which include transactional messaging, in-app messaging, um, and then a little bit of what Cole talked about earlier on the Einstein send time optimization, um, some social studio elements as well as audience studios. So Nick, would you mind just talking a little bit about transactional messaging and how that's a little bit different from how folks might be using transactional emails today? 
Yeah, um, this is, I think this is a really exciting one, uh, just because SMS continues to be a growing trend, but there's this, you know, market apprehension to use it because it's so overused with just promotional messages. So if I'm on my phone and I'm getting messages that are from companies with short codes, it's like, well, I just know that this is something I might, may or may not have signed up for. Again, that just depends on people's compliance. But the transactional uh, category of, of SMS is really going to be beneficial for any, anybody that has any kind of a, like a service wing or um, a sales, you know, a sales wing. And so as far as, hey, if I made a purchase, I don't mind getting an, an email of a recap of what I purchased, I'm sorry, a, a text of what I purchased or any kind of details with a, with a short link in there. Um, on the flip side, if it's services, like for example, my, my waste management company, um, if I get text messages, which I do from them about like pickup changes and, and weather changes, I'm totally happy to get those SMS. Um, so the transactional element of, of SMS that they released uh, really categorizes it differently within the platform. And you can also you know, select the priority status of those. It's really nice, a uh, nice feature. Do you guys have any, anything to add to that? I really like, uh, as an example, Best Buy uh, does transactional SMS. So anytime I make an order, or when that order has been shipped, or if it's ready for pickup at the store, I get those text messages, which I find really valuable. And then on that kind of same front, as uh, Marketing Cloud now supports, which is a pretty pretty big announcement, in-app messaging. So obviously, it always had the capability of push notifications, um, but now in-app uh, messages and notifications are available too, which was a really big win for the Salesforce team. And then uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the Einstein 10-time optimization, and uh, Cole kind of talked through that a little bit. I think that this is something that um, a lot of people have been looking for and kind of looking back to the 90 days of engagement rate and all those different elements, too, um, which will be really impactful. And then, um, Cole, if you wouldn't mind talking through, I thought the new Social Studio Persona Insights was really neat of the integration into Sales Cloud. So if you wouldn't mind just talking through with that a little bit, that'd be great. Yeah. So um, right now with, with uh, the ability to view Twitter persona information uh, in the analyze portion of social studio, um, you can create persona group dashboards. Uh, this pulls in information from social listening dashboards uh, from uh, cards and workbenches, and even from contacts and cases and service cloud. Uh, so it's, it's a, a pretty neat new way to kind of, create and analyze these personas. It's just a, be a better understanding of what these authors are saying on Twitter, who they are, uh, what their influence really is. And I think that's a big one because a lot of the times we're looking at, um, you know, brands are trying to target, um, you know, the, the biggest and best influencers. And you really don't know what that engagement looks like without digging into individual uh, tweets and things like that. Uh, or, or a lot of the times we'll, you know, marketers will, kind of go for that head fake of, well, this person's got a lot of followers. This must be legitimate, you know, and this kind of gets a layer underneath that and, and determines what um, their true influence is. 
Uh, so it's it's going to be uh, pretty exciting to kind of uh, I, a I'm already kind of geeked out on what you know the Social Studio analyzed capabilities are uh, and visualization I think is in terms of the social space um, really among the best tools out there. But this is really kind of getting into that gray area of um, how are we determining how influential people really are uh, and and you know how much of an impact uh, these authors are actually having with us. So I remember, um, and I don't even know, is, is clout still around? Uh, do you guys know? I have no idea. I remember being like, uh, cause I, I, prior to Salesforce, I used to work in the social influence space. And, um, I remember looking at clout and thinking that they, you know, I think they had a kind of a, a pretty basic model of like numbers of followers and things like that, that they would use to determine, um, influencers uh and i remember just finding just so many holes and uh, one time they they signed me up as a uh, an influencer and they sent me this will tell you how tuned in they were uh they sent me um axe hair gel and uh, <laughs> i'm totally bald like what am i gonna do with <laughs> <that> hair gel <laughs> so this just kind of like hey don't sell yourself short you got a little on the side <laughs> thanks man oh you're just being nice <laughs> um, but in terms of like really analyzing and understanding the personas that you're working with and those that are voicing um you know for or against your brand but you know this is really important so this is really allows us to get a layer deeper to really understand those personas so pretty interesting stuff one thing i'd add about the social studio release for for this is i, I think it was from this release but it was about suspending tweets from from uh accounts that are removed or like blocked or, or suspended so i think this is an interesting addition from the you know, from Salesforce's perspective that there's people actually thinking about, okay, what's, what's happening as far as um, people that are, you know, attempting to like dox a brand per se. And there, there's blocking that goes into that from the Twitter side um, and how much those metrics can mess with mm-hmm. seeing in social studio. So the only reason I call it out again, it's probably like, you know, few and far between, but I think it's really interesting to see how Salesforce is responding to some of those offshoot cases too, where it's like, Hey, you probably don't want to see a bunch of negative trends from people that are um, inherently just trying to dox your brand. Cause that does happen nowadays. Yeah, it definitely does. And there's a lot of trolling and especially even spam accounts that uh, Twitter makes updates and does, you know, sweeping deletions of all, all these uh, fake accounts and spam accounts and things like that. A lot of the times what those accounts are doing are trying to glom on to large influencers or brands or things like that um, to get attention or to drive, you know, traffic to certain, you know, sketchy links and things like that. And yeah, this is, uh, that's also a really good call out is the update of uh, removing um, suspended or deleted accounts, uh, especially from, not just social studio, but command center as well. So all those, um, you know, the, the 80, 80 inch flat screen and some of the um, headquarters that look really cool with all the uh, command center data uh, flowing in real time. Well, now those aren't being bogged down by, you know, inappropriate or spam accounts as well. The last two features we wanted to call out on the June release, uh, one is an audience studio connector for interaction studio, and this is really around consent. So being able to protect each customer and their preference across those two clouds or integrations. And we have a lot of customers that utilize 
the consent management and identity management on the audience studio slash DMP side. So I think that'll really be beneficial to now have that available elsewhere. And then lastly is uh, the the ability to create and share journey templates across business units. So now there's kind of two ways you can do that. One is with deployment manager, which allows you to extract the journey and then upload it into whatever other journey we might have. And then in addition to that is uh, utilizing the sharing functionality to actually just share it to other business units within your enterprise org. Jumping over to the August release, a couple of things. Kind of more administratively, for those of you who have been using the platform since it was Exact Target, there used to be the SMS functionality called SMS Interactions, and that just was the, the legacy version of Mobile Connect um, that's being retired at the end of September. So if you're not off of that and on the Mobile Connect, make sure to keep that in mind. And then uh, a couple uh, kind of query-related items that were pretty neat. Um, as far as something that came out in the release for query activities, but also um, what's now now being dubbed um, Query Studio. So, Nick, would you mind just talking through those two things? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, So I'll take them in in the backwards format. But uh, as far as queries go, um, anybody that's on the architecture side of the marketing cloud knows full well that... um, you run into a system error when you're running a query that it might not be the, the right query that you're trying to do. And that that's one of those, like my head's banging against the wall, trying to figure out what, what is actually wrong with this because the last thing I want to do is, you know, fill out a support ticket and go down that route because I, I know that there's just something wrong with my query as far as what, how I'm joining it or, or whatever. So part of this release is descriptive error messaging. And again, from my background, this is one of those things that I think a lot of people are really going to care about because it's going to just have a prescriptive solution uh, built into there to say, hey, you can't do this type of join with this table or whatever that actual error is. So I'm personally excited about this. Again, I probably don't ever touch queries as much anymore, but a really beneficial thing. Query Studio kind of builds off of that, which is uh, I just actually interacted with it at the end of last week when I had heard about the release of it. So they've already actually released this. Query Studio allows you to operate queries similar to what you would do with like a MySQL workbench. And that's all within the UI. Again, really added benefit of shortening the process to actually getting to my audience. So if I'm you know doing multiple joins on tables, I can do, write that entire query and point to where it should go but then I can run a test on that, a preview on that data set. So I don't have to continue to run, you know, multiple million records through and just wait until that query is done to see, okay, are these my desired results or did I do something wrong? Do I need to redo something? Again, a really exciting thing for those uh, deployment architecture people um, that are actually having to do this work. It's really going to save a lot of time. I like this one. Thanks, Nick. And on the, um, on that same front, we were just talking about a little bit earlier on deployment manager and its ability to kind of take out journeys. A big release in August is it now support deployment manager now supports the contact model um, and related data extension. So 
if you've got a data model or data extensions in one business unit <clears throat> that you want to migrate over to another business unit or anything like that, that is not supported. I expect over the next few releases that deployment manager will just continue to get more and more robust um, for migrations or sharing across business units and that sort of thing as well. So I think, Paul, you already mentioned what you were most excited about from, from the release around all the Einstein capabilities. I think what I was most excited about was Query Studio and the, the error message um, descriptions on the queries. Nick, what about you? Um, I'm going to take a specific piece of Einstein. It's send time optimization. I, don't, I know we briefly touched on this, but as far as the way send time optimization works within Journey Builder is really insightful to say, hey, John Smith interacts between 7 a.m., and, and 8 a.m. every morning. And it's looking for those data points over the course of 90 days to really hyperdrive that connectivity to the customer or the prospect or, or you know, the B2C audience. That's the, probably the one I'm most excited about because as Cole had mentioned, like a lot of this stuff was manual. Um, and to do the manual effort on this was, you know, at times for those deployment people, not even worth the time to say, okay, if I'm building this entire journey, um, I, I can't get down to that segmentation of like, okay, these people are going to get it at 7 to 8 a.m. These people are going to get it at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. That's just was too much, too heavy of a lift. So to have that all done automatically is is going to, I, I think, like, as we see it deployed across some of our customers, we'll kind of take a peek and work with our delivery team. But I think there's some very immediate results that we're going to see with deliverability and with with engagement on on any of these accounts that are using it. Yeah, Nick, you're definitely right. I think one of the things that uh, really stands out about the send time optimization tool is that most products in the space, um, you know, when they talk about send time optimization, they're really kind of bulking everyone together. And so they're looking at, you know, newsletter sends. And when our newsletter sends most frequently opened, well, more often than not, they're opened, you know, close to whenever they were actually sent because that's when it's hitting the top of the inbox. And, mm -hmm. and so that was just like the heavy, heavy weight on it. And so their, their quote unquote send time optimization is typically like per email, per campaign or per audience. Um, and this is like, you know, the, the first productized version of individualized send time optimization within marketing cloud. Cause look, even before this, we were doing the manual effort to your point. There's not, it's a lot of work and it's very hard to prove the ROI of like, well, now, you know, I'm sending to Joe Schmo at, you know, between eight and nine AM um, I'm getting X better performance than when I was sending it at seven to eight. Like it, it was just hard to do that for as much lifting as, as it was. So a lot of marketers were trying this sort of like happy medium of, well, okay, well here are morning, here are our midday, here's afternoon and evening uh, openers. And let's just segment them that way. And, that's just not really true send time optimization. That's just guessing and, and, and still is thrown off by the weight of the send times themselves. So this is a night rolling in email engagement data. And so it's, it's uh, really a, a lot more exciting than it actually sounds, I guess. Well, to that point, Cole, is, as far as if, if like a, a marketer is not using analytics to do this, then they're just using like the, you know, litmus annual report. I love litmus, so I'm not bashing their annual report because it's really beneficial, but they're using like the litmus annual report to say, okay, when is a good time to send? And then that becomes industry standard of, okay, 
now everybody's shifting from an 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. window to a 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. window. And now everybody's doing it. So now that becomes the worst time to send because everybody, you know, across the market is trying to, you know, take what's written as far as who's accumulating these annual reports and trying to find the best time to do it. Einstein send time optimization takes that to an individual level to say, John Smith, his best time to send over the last 90 days is 8 a.m. Yeah, and I think it's that's one of the first questions um, almost every time when you know when I was doing marketing consulting at Salesforce, one of the first questions would be, when should I send? And my response was always, let's find out. You know, and it was it would just be about testing and sending all different times of uh, of day and targeting different hours, low versus high traffic hours. And yeah, this is the first time that that we're actually getting to the individual level and saying, let's let's let the actual users tell us when the best time for them to send is. Love it. Last but not least, the Tableau acquisition. And really just what we wanted to kind of qualify here is that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, we're getting a lot of questions about, you know, they already had Datarama, why would they buy Tableau? And, and there were two very different platforms. Um, we know a lot about Datarama and probably know enough to be dangerous about Tableau. But as we think about the differences there, Datarama is really a marketing, reporting, and analytics tool as well as an ETL tool. It's got that nice functionality tied to it, whereas Tableau is still a, a visualization. Um, so you're going to see the kind of pretty graphs and reports that you would output or you would expect to see on the Tableau side. Datarama is going to do that, but it's also got native connectors and productized connectors to a lot of what social and marketing folks are going to need to see ROI and see performance. So just wanted to call out the kind of main difference there. Your marketing team is going to love Datarama for its ease of use and being able to harmonize data together. Tableau is going to be more of, you've still got to frame the data, format the data, all those different elements as well. The exciting part about this acquisition in, in light of the Datarama acquisition is how quickly they've started to integrate Datarama. And so I, I think that we can only expect to be able to share more and more about the, the Tableau acquisition. And I think that they're going to, you know, supercharge their implementation of, of, you know, putting this actually into the cross cloud um, environment. Yeah, Nick, that's a really good point. I feel like, you know, data centralization and the ability to like ETL a lot of our, um, a lot of that data and analytics was like a weak, you know, a weaker point for Salesforce and, you know, Datarama filled that gap big. I think if there were another um, weak point that we could point at, it'd be just the general visualization of data. They, you know, gathering great data is not an issue. Um, and actually Datarama does do a really good visualization. Um, but in terms of just the way Tableau has the capability to, you know, view so many different slices of data and visualize that in really the most cutting edge ways that, that any platform can do right now. I think we're going to see really, really cool um, in just cross clouds, really cool visualization capabilities arising from that. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what, what comes about from Tableau. Well, unfortunately there won't be any completely unrelated this week as we're struck for time. Um, other than the fact that, uh, I'm eating celery and peanut butter right now. I just wanted to let everybody know that that's what was happening <laughs> on this side of the love office. So, um, Cole, Vic, any uh, any completely unrelated before we have the jump off? 
you know, I think the Minnesota office is going to be uh, doing some reviews of the podcast. We might get our seventh review uh, <laughs> after this show. Oh, that'd be great. That's exciting. One of the things that uh, you had mentioned at the beginning of this call, again, this is totally related, was you introducing me as a guest. I thought I was becoming a partial host here, so... It's pretty much yours. That's why when they, well, that's, they heard you were coming on, this is when all the reviews are coming in now. You know, exactly. We actually, uh, Cole and I are actually stepping aside. You're doing the whole thing from now on. This is officially our retirement. Yep. All right. Well, we're only going to do podcasts within the Minnesota office, which will be me talking to myself for about 20 minutes. <laughs> I can't wait for that one. That'll probably be our most listened to <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's gonna go viral i'm also gonna be let go all right thanks guys thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon